Hello, this is the Redbox Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley, bringing you the best of my Times Radio show. Don't forget you can listen for free live Monday to Friday, 10 to 1, on your DAB radio, on your smart speaker, on the Times Radio app. Coming up on today's episode is the Battle of Waterlooville. Will Suella Bravman lose her seat? Not to the Labour Party, but the Home Secretary is up against fellow Conservative MP Flick Drummond for a safe Tory seat in Hampshire. Uh, it's all going down to a crutch vote of members. We hear from both sides. And Stevenage Woman. Lots of talk about that, holding the key to Keir Starmer's hopes of becoming Prime Minister. But can two Stevenage women pass the Stevenage Woman test? Uh, that's coming up on the podcast in just a moment. But first, it's time for The Columnists. The Columnists on Times Radio. Yeah, normally it would be Alibert on a Wednesday, but we haven't got any Alice Thompson, but we have got a Robert Crampton. Morning, Robert. Yeah, morning, Matt. Where is Alice Thompson? Skiing. Of course she is. Of course she is. Of course Catching she is. the last of the snow on the slopes, probably somewhere. Well, you don't go skiing, do you? you go... Uh, I used to, actually. Did you? Uh, yeah, but then I tore my ACL playing football, which is much more my... Oh, I tore my ACL playing a skiing. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, we can talk about ACLs. Okay. That's Janice Turner. How are you, Janice? I'm all right. My ACL's not too bad as well. Very good. Did you have yours reattached? Yeah, I had some really exciting surgery where they took a bit of my hamstring and oh. made it into a new ACL. It was oh, cutting well, edge. They told me not to bother. Oh, well. Maybe they thought that Janice had got more life more left. Of, yeah. She's more of a, <laughs> I said it's a promising career cut short at the age of 51. Yeah? But... You're then. not 51. No, I was 51 then when my no, promising career was cut short. I, was to I know, I'm 58, Matt, as you know. <laughs> no. Yeah, It ended badly last time you started let's talking not about mention, my age. Last time I mentioned your age, you ended up swearing on air, so we'll move on. Uh, let's talk about uh, some stories in the news. Rishi Sunak has pledged to change the Equality Act to introduce explicit legal protections of biological women in same-sex spaces such as changing rooms and hospital wards. It comes with the chairwoman of the Equality and Human Rights Commission, Baroness Faulkner, has suggested creating a legal distinction between uh, people born female and those who transition to become women. Given that you write about this a lot, I should probably come to you first, Janice. Mm. Do you think this is a good idea? Does this go some way to solving the problem? Well, there is. Uh, it, this is more of a clarification than a change, I would say. Um, uh, sex in the Equality Act is a protected characteristic and it has been since 2010 in the Equality Act. And there is, but there has always been um, an anomaly, uh, a clash between that and the Gender Recognition Act. The Gender Recognition Act says that somebody um, can change their gender and change their birth certificate. So in most purposes, they... Um, all purposes in the law, they are the, the gender that they have acquired. But there become there is a collision in the law because in the gender in the Equality Act, the sex exemptions allow for certain on certain occasions like rape crisis or in sports for biological sex to take precedence. So no matter what it says on your birth certificate um, that you've changed it to, um, biological sex is the thing that applies. But this has been, this is a, a, an area of enormous contention because um, sex, which, you know, to be honest, five minutes ago, nobody thought sex meant anything but biological sex. But now um, there are people who say it means gender identity or have said that it doesn't exist at all. So there needs to be some kind of clarification which puts into law that this does, sex is a protected characteristic as meaning biological sex. And this isn't going to undermine protections of trans people because already in the, gen in the Equality Act is another protected characteristic, which is gender transition. So people are protected for that so um, you cannot discriminate against a trans person in, in uh, um, employment or in housing or how you treat them which is absolutely 
right. But in certain circumstances, you know, for example... Um, there is a lot of confusion from these like rape crisis centres and uh, hospital and the NHS about when sex does um, supersede uh, gender, mm. and this needs to be clarified. And I, that's all it is really is a clarification. Yeah, I mean, my, from my point of view, I suppose as a father of a daughter, I have to, I I couldn't I couldn't countenance a situation where somebody who was, to all intents and purposes, a man with a penis. Uh, could wake up one morning and say, I'm a woman today, and then have access to uh, a confined space that a changing room in a, in, a, in a department store or a changing room in a school or a, a loo in a, in a dark restaurant late at night, you know, where my daughter is not yeah. expecting to find a man. Uh, if this helps avoid mm. that situation, I mean... We're talking about tiny minorities of people there, but then we talk in Scotland. We were talking about it, and within a week, we had a bloke, a male rapist, in a women's prison. Yeah, yeah. So he wasn't it, the first either. There no, were already it, sex offenders but, in Scotland. Right. Prisons. So it doesn't. It's not a theoretical. Uh, I mean, Keir Starmer says ninety nine point nine percent of people are not talking about this, and he's right. But it's still something that has to be nailed mm. down in the I law. Thought, actually, because, I mean, I put, that is partly what I think, but also, yeah. if he wants to be Prime Minister, yes. he can't just say, well, not many people mind about this. No, you can't. So I'm not going to worry about it. Because that's true of that's loads the, of things. Well, quite, no, not I many people, not many people, disability not many people burgle whatever, houses, you know. but we still have to have laws about burgling yeah. houses. I call <laughs> it the it might never happen, love, school of policy, yeah. which is that women are supposed to say, look, it might never happen, love, there might not be many rapists, it might only be one or two, or it might never happen, love, there might not be many... Sports, uh, male sports people who identify into women's sports. So, what does it matter? But actually, as a point of principle, women have a right as a point of principle to have laws defending them. That's how good mm. laws are made. You don't make mm. laws by saying, oh, it might never happen, love, because it does happen. And time and again, it has. Is, is the issue more to do with the ease with which? Because it's clearly there's sort of two, two distinct groups we're talking about. But there were people who do transition and live their lives as women mm. and. Uh, have protection in law, and then there's the other group of people who might use the arrangements for them yes. for malign purposes. And yes. Mm. It is drawing that distinction so that you protect the people who need protection and make sure there isn't a loophole to be used by bad men, essentially. Mm. I mean, mm. in the whole of this, I've been writing out it now since about 2017, and one of my... My heart really goes out to trans women who fully transitioned trans women who have lived their lives mm-hmm. in just gone about their lives doing their thing and no no woman has ever ever bothered about them it's never yeah. been a thing until now with the self id which means that you don't need to have the notion which even though it's not being passed is now permeating mm-hmm. social policy which you don't have to have any kind of transition whatsoever in order to take up um the position of being a woman and so this means that women are on their on the back foot going actually, our rights are being um, challenged. You know, people say this is part of the culture war, which really, you know, makes me despair because if it is a culture war, women are Ukraine. Um, (laughs) Russia is coming in to take away our language, our rights, our protections, our sports, things that women took a long time to acquire and and these laws and these and activists like Stonewall have been trying to take them away instead of trying to create things for themselves which I always think is a a crazy thing why they didn't spend their massive amounts of public money um, you know for example organising their own rape crisis centres or their own um, sports Mm. categories and also it seems having a very 
but propagating a very narrow definition of what it is to be a woman, which is what you have with teenage girls. Mm. Uh, so you could, what we used to be called a tomboy, could now be told, or it could be int- intimated that you are in fact not a kind of a proper woman in some way, and that you might actually be uh, male. Yeah, uh, and that seems to me incredibly regressive, incredibly mm. restrictive, uh, and I don't know. I mean, we've seen that unravel now with the whole Tavis, with the Tavistock yes. thing, but thankfully. But how it got to that situation, I do not know, because it's something in people who consider themselves progressive are actually behaving in an incredibly reactionary way and reversing 50 years of feminism. Because but it's also, been but also the thing, the thing that, because, and because it is such a, it has become such a toxic debate and so awful, the thing that I, I struggle with is the people who have, have campaigned to make self ID easier have in fact made life much harder for lots of trans people who yes. have transitioned. Yes, it's yes, because and I and some of them write to me, some trans women write to me, and they say that they don't want to be lumped in with no. a guy with a beard who <laughs> one minute wakes up and wants to and feels that yeah. you know that sometimes he feels like a woman, whatever feeling like a woman is. Because they they have a um, a condition of gender dysphoria and they want to live honest, decent lives and they do not like being lumped in with these people. Um, so ultimately, I mean, this subject is so toxic and so awful and, you know, I am sick like most people of writing about it, but if the line hasn't been held as it's been held on this, which sex exists, because I can't even begin to express to you, because you might think that I'm mad, that some people now argue that biological sex doesn't exist, mm. that it's just a, that it's an invented construct, it was invented by white imperialism yeah. or something, but it does exist. And, and that's, it exists that's in every the, animal, being crucial. Yeah. I think not, that's, the, that's the really important point about what Janice and, and, uh, and, and Hadley Freeman and, and J.K. Rowling and various other people in public eye have been doing, is that what they're actually standing up for is the notion of kind of objective truth mm. rather than saying mm. this is the truth that I what I feel it is mm. today or this truth was made up a hundred years ago by a white you know imperialist and it's not you can't something just because you say something doesn't make it so and 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 the and and this is this is the crux of the argument because that is that line absolutely has to be held but also this because this debate has got so toxic and as a result lots of people don't enter into it Regardless of what the law says, this is also attacking sort of social norms because the thing that stops people going into toilets isn't because anyone's going to be arrested. It's just because that's how society works. And once you yeah. get into yes. a situation yeah. where, you know, you've got pub landlords and people who run shops and they're trying yeah. to second guess it and who's the most yeah. angry person yes, exactly. outside. And I think that this clarification hopefully will address that and it will say to people who run these organisations, pubs or whatever, that sex does exist and you are allowed to protect women on the basis of sex, as you always have been. But, you know, because um, groups like Stonewall could not change the law because it was so unpopular, in fact, their their mission was to change the Equality Act and to replace sex with gender identity, but they realised that that was... Because people like me started objecting to it, they realised they couldn't change the law, so they're... they're destroying the concept mm. of words in order mm. to get what they want through yeah. other means. And this is invidious. And I'm very glad that Kemi Badenoch has got the courage to stand by this because, you know, it's not, not been easy and she's accused of all sorts of things, but she's been absolutely yeah, solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well I'm, I'm not, I fear you will end up writing about it again, Janice, but hopefully it <laughs> sounds as if the government is moving more towards 
some sort of... And crucially, the Labour Party, actually. I think that's yeah. one thing we haven't mentioned, is mm. that they... I, I was just reading... I don't know if it was here or... They have a kind of wait and see what happens because the Labour Party would love this to be resolved before they yeah. win the election. And actually, it was, it was interesting, that interview with mm. uh, Keir Starmer in the Sunday Times, mm. yeah. where he basically said, we saw what happened in Scotland. I'm not going to go down that road. Yeah. I'm moving... He clearly has stepped right back from his previous position. It was a massive wake-up call, Scotland, because as he, as Starmer said, you know, when you're not the you're not taking the people with you, and you're you're taking this kind of strange, fringe belief into mainstream um, policy making, you know, you're on a hiding to nothing. Yeah. What, what, what collectively? What, how many how many years of journalism do you think we've got in the room? Crikey. I've got I've got thirty four. So how many? Oh, years? Twen, twenty one for me. Um, my master's, I was 25? No, 35. Yeah, you, because you're the same age. Yeah, 35. Yeah. We're getting close yeah. to 100 years. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't it feel it? Turn up. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of journalism for you. That will be it from the... The tabloid at the end of things. Well, well let's... We could definitely break 100 if we bring in Will <laughs> Turvel, who is from Press Gazette. Hi, Will. Hi, Matt. So, you've been taking a look at... Uh, well, do you know your hacks and your hooks? The difference between a lead and a kicker. And I'm not sure I do. Uh, but, Will, you've been looking at particularly jur journalistic jargon that only journalists use. Yeah, so trying. Um, I haven't been a journalist for as, as long as you, quite probably about 10 years. Don't um, come here with that I sort think, of ageism. <laughs> <laughs> Go um, on. But, yeah, there's, there's all sorts. Um, and so I, I kind of put out a tweet a couple of weeks ago asking for journalists to submit to me some, some jargon from their trade, from our trade. And, yeah, I was shocked by really how many words there were. I was kind of expecting there to be about 20, 30. And then you really just think about it. And there are just so many words that we take for granted and, and words that have kind of been lost in time a little bit and are only used in specific newsrooms. Um, and in the end, I came to a list of about 250. <laughs> and I got lots of responses from people, from other journalists saying, you've missed out this, yeah. you missed out that. So there will be an update. So give us give us some examples of of the words that no normal person will understand. Okay, well, I think one of my favourites. Uh, I won't I won't curse on your show, but it is an "f me Doris," which is uh, which means a very good story. Yes. Uh, and there's a marmalade dropper, which means the same thing. Uh -huh. I, do you know what? I uh, used that on breakfast this morning, yeah. and I suddenly realised no one would know what I, what I meant. But I, I meant with the news of Nicola Sturge's husband being arrested. That yeah. is a, that yeah. was a marmalade yeah, it was dropper. Telegraph, right? Telegraph, I think. I think. Yeah. Who yeah. eats marmalade these days? Yeah, Telegraph readers. <laughs> <laughs> Paddington Bear, the Queen. Possibly. Paddington's very upset about Nicholas Sturgeon's yeah, husband. He's chopped his marmalade everywhere. Sorry, go on, Will. Uh, you've got dog's dick, dog's cock, and screamer all mean Excuse exclamation me? mark. They're all journalistic jargon. He's not swearing. They're all yeah. That's just instead of saying exclamation mark. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so spike, which is something that we're all very familiar with, but how many members of... I'm sure lots of your readers probably know what spike means, but obviously to commission a story and then to drop I, it. I remember when um, there were actual spikes. Yeah, literal mean? spikes, and yeah. some people got spiked on Yeah, them. yeah. So, so that would be like a uh, on your desk, like a piece of wood with a spike sticking out of it. Well, it was on the news editor's desk. It was on the, yeah. back, it was on the back bench. So you'd take up your story on a piece of paper, uh -huh. and you'd say, I don't these like are, that. Yeah, these are very... Early days of my career and the very end of this process, we were I just caught the very end of typewriters, yeah, and therefore spikes. And yeah, you'd take up and it would be shoved on a, a, a literal spike, yeah, yeah, which were really dangerous. You had to be very careful. There was a curly one, though, you, yes, yeah. they invented these curly ones. Oh, that's so, the health and safety, yeah, yeah. I started the Talton Times, yeah, because we because the system for making sure a story didn't appear in the paper twice 
was quite basic. <laughs> and so, so you used to, although they were in the city, you typed our computers, yeah. you then printed it off and put it in a basket. Right. So then a sub would take it from the basket. So then no other sub right. could take the same story. At and least then, for another three months anyway. And then yeah. it would go on the spike. Yeah. yeah. Now, Will, one of the things that struck me is having moved around from different papers, the same words mean different things at different papers. Like the word, like hamper... Yeah. I thought yeah. it was a story at the bottom. Yes, along yes. the bottom. The, yeah, the basement, I, yeah. But no, but then a basement... The basement is a hamper. But it, it's a hamper. I've also heard the hamper used to describe the thing at the top. No, but a hamper was also one that where the, the first and the last legs were slightly longer than the middle three legs. And then leg being... Oh, a, a, a get leg, you back, Bench. Leg boy. being a column of coffee. <laughs> and so it had the effect of being like a uh, like a cot, like a hamper, like a... With sides, like, like a bed. Like a bed? Yeah. And that's what... See, that's completely different to a basement, which is like across the bottom of the top. No, no, it's, a, it's, yeah, it's still across the bottom, but it's got l extra bits. <laughs> extra legs. Uh, Will, go on, give us some more. Oh, well, it, it gets more complicated, I think, when you get into television broadcasting, actually. Oh, we don't care about and that. <laughs> <laughs> the I was words there, the ULAs and OLAs, yeah. depending on whether you work for the BBC or ITV, really, really vary. I think you're right on hamper. Um <laughs> Yeah, lots more. I, I can't think of many um, many more uh, particular ones that mean different things in different newsrooms, but they I, certainly exist, and they're all over it. I was once asked at uh, Christmas time, uh, there'd been some story that had been sort of mouldering in the uh, in a drawer for a while, and I was asked to put a holly top on it, <laughs> which means Christmas it up a bit. Well, I was just looking through yeah. Will's list. Um, Is that it, on? No, well, there's um, something about putting a kilt on something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. A kilt on something, yeah. Which is basically make a story <laughs> yeah. interesting for people yeah. in Scotland. Yeah, sprinkle it <laughs> off. I've never I'll heard that. That's up. brilliant. I'll sprinkle a few snowflakes on it, make it, you know, basically turn it, it up. turn it from autumn to winter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's all a very cynical business. I'm not sure. Should we be letting out all these trade secrets? It makes, no, it, it, makes it sound like a bunch of hacks. My favourite is reverse ferret because <laughs> I just reverse think nothing really good. embodies more the sort of the sort of craft of hackery than reverse ferret. Reverse ferret is when. Um, a line, a newspaper takes one line or something with yeah. absolute and utter certainty, <laughs> and then other uh, events transpire that that was completely wrong. So they do, they reverse the ferry and they go down mm. the so, other. So yeah. a, a recent example of that would have been some yeah. newspapers, not the Times, their attitude to Liz Truss's budget uh, <laughs> yes. last year, yeah. which was an absolute triumph for Tory economics, and mm. they, they performed yeah. quite the reverse ferry before it could ever get an absolute disaster without ever really explaining to readers that they can were... ferrets reverse in real life. I don't know. Well, have yeah. you investigated that? <laughs> No, that is a good. That is a good question. Do reverse. Do ferrets reverse? Is backstabbers in there? Is backstabbers in the? In the oh list? yeah, if you believe with backstabbers. What's that? Backstabbers no. is a, is a meeting that senior executives have before the news conference where they basically try and steal each other's ideas, <laughs> take, take credit for things which is which is. Or they fair. come in and say, yeah, uh, yeah. "Well, I, I, I saw this story somewhere else. Why, yeah. why have we not why, got why that? Why have we not got oh, it? Oh, I've yeah. thought of another one. Then in that case, byline bandit. Byline oh, bandit. Oh gosh, yes. yeah, there's a few of those. Around. Somebody who steals the steals the credit for a story. Yeah, yeah. I'll just run that. Through my typewriter, before yeah. that I was retold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then suddenly so, your name's more, nowhere. Suddenly my name was nowhere near it, or their exactly. name had appeared on it. Just yeah. running through my and they're, typewriter. They're in, the, they're in the pub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a great list. Where can people find it? Pressgazette.co.uk. Fantastic. And, we'll... uh, I'll be adding a second edition soon. I think. I like it. Yeah. It is Love terrific. It. Janice Turner and Robert Crampton, and you can read the stories we were discussing. Just hit the links in the podcast description. And to read them, you'll need to subscribe to The Times. Just go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next, it's the Battle of Waterlooville. Many. 
many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the Redbox Podcast now. It's time for this. Yes, this is Chicken Run, which is what Swella Barfman could be doing. But it all goes wrong tonight. The Home Secretary is facing off against another Tory MP over who gets the new seat of Fairham and Waterlooville. It really is the Battle of Waterlooville. It's all because the boundaries have been redrawn. There's only one seat, but currently two MPs on the right flank is Suella Barfman, Home Secretary and currently the MP for Fairham. I'm the Member of Parliament for Fairham. I've had a highly informative and educational time here. And on the left flank, it's Flick Drummond, Conservative MP for Meon Valley. I'm incredibly excited. Um, this has been a dream for me to represent a seat where I've lived for nearly 33 years. Um, is and know, that it, know it so well, it is a dream for anybody. But whoever doesn't get the seat will have to make a chicken run somewhere else and try and find another seat. The winner takes all, and the loser will have to go somewhere else. So how is the contest shaping up? In a moment, we're going to hear from supporters of the pair of them. Just to explain exactly what is going on, our very own armchair general, Michael Crick, journalist and broadcaster, who's been following selection battles all over the country. Morning, Michael. Good morning. So why, why is this, this internal battle taking place? Well, what's going on right now is that all the boundaries of the parliamentary constituencies are being redrawn. Uh, This is required by law because populations move and the law is that all the constituencies should be pretty much the same size in terms of population. And they're only allowed to differ by 5% either way of a sort of target figure of 73,393. And because of this, they've got to, every few years, they have to rearrange all the constituencies and redraw the borders. And some constituencies sort of get carved up, which is what's happened uh, with Flick Drummond's uh, seat of Meon Valley. And uh, they get joined up with other bits of other seats and so on. And as a result, there's a sort of big musical chairs and have to, people have to move around. Uh, some people, some seats don't change at all about, uh, but Quite a lot of them do. And that's what's going on right now. And it's really causing problems in the Conservative Party. It will cause problems in the Conser- in the Labour Party as well in uh, in due course in the next few months. But it's the Conservatives who are really getting in a right state about this. But it, it happens every time with these boundary changes. But I think there's an extra ingredient this time in that people, MPs, are really worried about what seat they might get because they think that the, you know, the swing is going to be against them at the next election and they want to get up to... High ground to make sure that. They... <laughs> yeah, so it's those it's those conservatives because if, if whoever doesn't uh, win this uh, this seat tonight, will have to go somewhere else to try and find a a safe Tory seat, and there's fewer of those around if you look at the polls. That's right. I mean, um, the uh, Flick Drummond. They were both asked Flick Drummond and um, uh, Suella Braverman which seat they would uh, what what local seats they wanted. 
uh, because they because their seats are being carved up, they got entitlement, and um, uh, the uh, you're allowed to apply for any seat that has got a little bit of your old seat. And um, uh, Suella Braverman said she prefer uh, Fairham and Waterlooville, but she uh, is also willing to go for a, another seat, a new seat called Hamble Valley. Uh, whereas Flick Drummond has said no, she just wants uh, Fairham and Water Waterlooville. So. Um, the uh, that th that those are the options, but to call it a chicken run is not really fair in a way because they're not <laughs> running away from these seats. No, uh, that is true. It's not, like, it's not like yeah. I suppose that, yeah. Technically, a chicken run would be if hypothetically you were the MP in yeah. Uxbridge and you thought that that was looking a bit dicey. Uh, exactly. And Boris Johnson thought actually I'm just going to jump somewhere else just because that will make my life a bit easier. That's fine. Oh, I, I regret now playing the theme music for the uh, <laughs> for the animated I mean, film Chicken know, Run. But if they, if Times Radio decide they want someone else to uh, present a bit of your morning slot, you know, you might have to move to, uh, you know, an adjacent slot or something. It's similar to that. It's similar to that, rather than me. I, I hope I'm not. I hope I'm not. <laughs> so start giving people ideas. <laughs> I'll have to run, run off to BBC Local Radio or something. Uh, that would be the chicken run. Right, but let's let's now find out who's got the best case for being the new uh, MP for Waterlooville. Caroline Brook is a local council in Winchester and a backer of Flick Drummond. Hi, Caroline. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me to speak today. No, it's great to have you. We've also got Roger Bird, who's a ca councillor in Fairham and a supporter of Suella Bowman. Hi, Roger. Hi, good to see you. Now, this is interesting because normally you'll be out knocking on doors trying to persuade members of the public, but it's, it's Tory party members who obviously get the say on this as to who should be the candidate there. Caroline, make the sort of doorstep pitch, if you would, for why uh, Flick should be the MP for Fairham and Waterlooville. She has lived in Southern Hampshire for 37 years. She is passionate, and that's why she chose this to be her the only seat that she went for, because she is absolutely passionate about this area and Southern Hampshire. She's somebody who is out on the doorstep every day um, over the weekends during recess with her councillors. She supports them. Um, she fights for local issues. Waterlooville Town Centre, for example, is dying. It has been for a long time. She got that onto Haven't Borough Council's agenda. She um, managed to secure £25,000 from the Shared Prosperity Fund for CCTV to tackle antisocial behaviour. People know her when she's on the doorsteps. They know her because she has helped them in some way with their casework because they were struggling or because she's seen them at one of the community forums. She regularly runs forums um, yeah. on topical issues such as broadband, health, um, rural transport, rural crime, those sort of things for people to come along here directly from the experts. She's there. She's always working. She's always supportive. Um, and she fights for the constituency in Parliament as well. You regularly hear her talk about um, Waterlooville in Parliament. Um, she's fight. One of her passions is um, she's on the Education Select Committee, um, and she's met practically all of the schools um, within yeah. Leon Valley as is currently. And she fights for reform. She doesn't think school systems are where they should be currently. So yeah. she's fabulous in Parliament as well as, as well. within the constituency. Very good. Good, solid local constituency MP then, Roger, rather than someone being distracted by running the Home Office. Um, well, uh, I think we should start then by looking at all the things Suella has done locally. Yes, exactly right. Go uh, on then, give on, us the rundown, Roger. 
<laughs> so in building up Ferrum Community Hospital, building up its task force, um, and has led it therefore to uh, getting funding for the new chemotherapy unit, which opened last year, the new renal unit, which opened this year, uh, and that was Suella's uh, pioneering initiative. Uh, likewise, um, in the in setting up and running the Senior Citizens Fair, uh, which advertised a whole load of local services on offer, that was her initiative, and it's reopened again after COVID. And the Apprentices Fair, which she did, uh, which I went to a few months ago, which was fantastic. 40 local employers queuing up and uh, hundreds upon hundreds of local school children going along, queuing up for that. So she does all of the local things and does them very well, very popular. Um, I think um, in terms of national issues, um, from everything I hear from the residents and the local members, um, her views are very close to uh, what people believe locally, um, not just on Brexit, which hopefully is now um, largely a closed chapter. No, you've mentioned the B on, word um, now, <laughs> Home office issues, the um, small boats um, and policing issues. And I think people feel proud that someone whom they selected nearly 10 years ago to be their MP has then um, grown up and risen through the ranks uh, and now has the stature of a Home Secretary. Um, it's interesting you make that point because there is a sort of ideological difference between Flick and, and Suella, isn't there, Caroline? Flick is, I think it's fair to say, more on the left of the party, backs of a main, um, you, you know, clearly takes a different view to lots of the... So dare we say it, culture war issues to Suella. What would it say about the local party if Suella won rather than, than Flick, do you think, Caroline? Would it be a, a, a sort of a move to the right? So my experience is completely different to Roger's. I see very much that people object to the right wing's wing, wing views of Suella and very much support the central views of um, Flick. She was Remain, but she was more than happy to go with the majority vote. She's somebody that's incredibly loyal, um, but does stand her ground on issues she feels passionately about, such as foreign policy, um, and expresses her concerns where mm. um, she has them. Um, my my experience is that the voters very much um, tend to be towards middle to middle right, rather than as far right as Suella is. So my experience is very different to Rogers. I'll tell you what then, so if uh, uh, Roger, if Flick became your local MP, would you go out knocking on doors for her? So um, I'm not someone who's anti-Flick. I'm simply someone who is pro-Suella. Very good. Uh, I've known Flick for many years from when she was the local MP for Portsmouth South, uh, and I, I knew her then. Uh, so um, this is not uh, an acrimonious selection. I think Caroline's quite right that there are um, some clear policy differences between the candidates, and I'm sure they will make that clear this evening. Um, but um, this is a, a happy process, not an angry one. So if Flick becomes your MP, would you go out and knock on doors for her? Of course, uh, like Caroline, I'm a local councillor, yeah. and uh, we—it's uh, a pleasure as well as a duty to do so. And Caroline, if Suella becomes your local MP, will you go knock on doors for her? I'd struggle. Would I'd you? struggle. Yeah, I would. I'd struggle. I—I I disagree fundamentally with her on some of her um, views. Um, I'm sure in time I'd get to know her, um, and she'd actually pick up the phone and speak to me, which she hasn't during the whole process. So. And what is, what is it that it would mean that you would struggle? Because I mean, clearly you're a member of the Conservative Party. I've been for a long time, elected as a councillor. What is it about Suella that means you, you would struggle to go and knock on the doors? So it, it really is her her um, views on things. They are the, the boat policy, for example. I, I struggle with the way that's being implemented. I absolutely agree that we need to stop the small boats. Um, and I think that that's fundamental to what we're achieving as government. 
um, I'm not convinced that doing something that is borderline um, anti the um, uh, international, uh, looking after international people, um, I, I fundamentally don't think that that we should border that and go. We think mm. it's 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 legal um, because that jeopardizes our people who live abroad, our, our residents who live abroad. Because if we're straddling that, we think it's legal. It might not quite be. Why should they treat our people in their countries fairly? So fundamentally, I disagree on some real key points. Well, we'll see how it all pans out. Good to speak to you. Caroline Book, there, a local councillor in Winchester who backs Flick Drummond. Roger Bird, councillor in Fairman, uh, supporter of Suella Barverman. Uh, that vote happening tonight, and I'm sure we'll return to it uh, uh, tomorrow as well. Uh, Michael Quick, you're still there. You've been watching these things for a long time. Go on, stick your neck out. Who's going to win? Well, very difficult to say, but if you put a gun to my head and made me say, I'd say uh, Suella Braverman. Two reasons. One is... She uh, a slightly larger chunk of the new seat is from her old seat. Uh, and second, I think that local members will feel it will be incredibly embarrassing to the government and Rishi Sunak uh, and, of course, Suella Braverman. If she were to lose, it's getting a lot of attention. It would suggest Conservative members don't support Braverman's boats policy and all that. So that's why I think... Uh, just, I would just say yeah. rather than would win. Yeah, although as we've just heard from Caroline there, some of them don't. <laughs> so that is the Battle of Waterlooville. Internal battles going on in the Conservative Party, while the Labour Party's obviously got its eye on trying to win the next election. We've heard a lot about how it's all going to come down to Stevenage women. So I caught up with two of them to find out how they feel being the current political target voter. One of the big developments in politics this week has been uh, the emergence of Stevenage woman. In 2019, Workington Man gave Boris Johnson a landslide. In 1997, Tony Blair won over Worcester Woman. Of course, there was also Mondeo Man. But yeah, all eyes this week turned to Stevenage, a town which elected MP from the winning party in every election since the constituency was formed in 1983. This week, a Labour think tank uh, identified Stevenage woman as the person Keir Starmer has to win over in order to secure a majority at the next election. But who is Stevenage Woman? Well, luckily, we've got two uh, joining me now. Uh, Kayleigh Stone. Morning, Kayleigh. Afternoon, even. Hi, and Hi, Kayleigh. Hi there. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. What do you do, Kayleigh? What, for a job? Yeah. So I'm an area manager. I um I sell boilers. I've been, I've been doing that 24 years now, and I cover East Anglia. Very good. And we've also got Jill Borchards. Is that right, Jill? Yes. Borchards. Borchards, very good. Yeah. Uh, what do you do, Jill? Um, I'm a school teacher in Stevenage, and I've worked out I have taught thousands of Stevenage women. I'm a maths teacher, so I worked out the, ki the young women who were I taught when I first started are now aged between 38 and 45. So very good. You've got the, they are absolutely <laughs> on the demographic. So what we thought we'd do, because the Times came up with a uh, have come up with a test to see how much of a Stevenage woman you are. So what I thought oh, we'd do is right. go through the test and by the end we'll work out if you are indeed Stevenage women. Are you happy to do that? That's cool. Right, here we go then. Right, yeah. question number one. It is A, B, C, and then we'll work out who's got most Bs and Cs by the end. So A, B, C, how old, question number one, how old are you? Are you A, in your early 40s, B, 20, or C, old enough to know that I'm yesterday's news? Kaylee, first of all. Oh, none of them. Oh, what are you? How old are you? 39. Oh, I'm well, 39. Now. Well, for the purposes of this, we'll say you're, you're oh, in sorry, your early my, 40s. That's pretty close. My next birthday. Yeah, well, that's pretty close. Yeah. What about you, Jill? <laughs> I'm C. 
yours C. Very Honestly. good. Uh, question number two, uh, what do you do for a job? So this is, this is uh, A, work full-time. B, do not work full-time. C, I've retired, but I used to be non-specifically self-employed. So Kaylee, do you work full-time? I do. All right, that's an A. Very good. What about you, Jill? I work full-time. Very good. That's an A. Uh, then, uh, do you have children? A, yes, I have two children. B, no, I have no, I don't have any children. C, they've grown up now, but yes, I do. Kaylee? Well, I'd say A because I have three. Close enough. Jill? <laughs> this is really interesting. The version of me now is C, they've grown up. But I keep thinking about me in 97 when I would have been A. But no, now they've grown For up. For the purpose of this, you're C. Very yeah. good. Right. How did you vote at the last election? A, Conservative, but only because I held a personal grudge against Jeremy Corbyn. B, I voted for that novelty candidate who wears a bin on his head. Or C, I can tell you I voted in 1997, if that's any help. Kaylee. C. C. Very good. <laughs> and Jill? I voted the same in 2019 as I did in 97. So we'll put you down Labour. as a C. Perfect. Very voted, good. Yeah, yeah, I voted Labour. Okay, this is uh, this is very good. Uh, right, another question. What did you make of the Privileges is Privileges Committee investigation into claims that Boris Johnson misled Parliament over Partygate? A, I'm sorry, as a rule, I'm generally disengaged from the maelstrom of daily politics. B, I think Boris is a liar. C, I didn't pay attention to it because I was driving my car around a lot. I love my car a lot, you know. Kaylee. <laughs> Oh, it's a mix between B and C, but I'd say definitely B. Definitely B. Okay, Jill? An emphatic B. An emphatic B. Okay, this might be the last question now. Are you worried about your future? A, I'm worried about living in a society where everything gets more expensive, but my wages stay the same. B, yes, of course. C, not really. I have a nice house and a big pension and a wife who does everything for me. And did I mention I own a very popular family car? So, Kaylee, A, B or C? A. A and Jill? A definite A. Definite A. Right, OK. Then we scroll down, you see. So, mostly... So, Katie, you've got A, 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 C, B, A. So, that's mostly A's. Jill's got C, 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 B, A. So, Kaylee, you are mostly A's Stevenage woman. So, <laughs> congratulations. Very good. Uh, and... Hey, very good. And then, uh, Jill, with mostly C's, uh, you are a 1997 Mondeo man. <laughs> hmm. I had a bike in 97 and I did have two kids yeah you see in if I'd answered as 97 I would have been Stevenage woman I think very much and so what do you both think of in fact we've got our focus group our proper focus group tomorrow but as we've got you both uh, Kelly what do you think of Keir Starmer um, I mean I've I've always voted Tory I have done for the last 20 um, you know years um, and I think people just get a bit stuck and I, I, I you know I I like what they're trying to do. I do believe them. Um, and I think it's time for change. So personally for me this year oh. will be the first year that I'll vote totally different um, because I think it's, you know, it's definitely needed. Interesting that. So you really are a Stevenage woman who's going to decide these things. What about you, Jill? Um, I have had the privilege of meeting Keir Starmer on a number of occasions. And I rate him as somebody who can lead us. And I think what I get annoyed with is when we just think about voting for a prime minister. I think that Stevenage woman needs to be thinking about how she's getting involved in politics and who she's actually going to vote for. Because I don't know whether 
anybody knew this, but actually, when Stevenage women voted last time in the general election, my name was on the ballot paper. Was it you or was it someone else? It was me. Oh, it was you. You were on the ballot paper. I was. It, last time, Stevenage women could have voted for a Stevenage woman. But the Tory party took over that election with their sound bites um, and made it all about Brexit and uh, this uh, rhetoric about the leader of the Labour Party. So I don't think Stevenage women thought they were voting for a Stevenage woman. I, they were just thinking in terms of voting for a prime minister. Yeah, we'll and I think I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased that Stevenage woman or women are actually being engaged in this yeah. because it's women who need to get involved and make a difference. Because I say that, I was on that ballot paper, but in 96, I was mum of two, not engaged in politics at all. Sorry to my daughter who was born afterwards. And I wasn't involved <laughs> in any of this, but it's know, so call right. out. It's... this is a call out to women in Stevenage to get themselves involved. I said, well, everyone, this... everyone yeah. right across the country, yeah. get yourself involved. Absolutely. What, a, what yeah. a good, what a good, what a good message to end on. Really good to meet you. Jill Borsch is there. And uh, Katie Stone, thanks very much for coming on and doing the uh, Stevenage Woman Test. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. And we bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcasts from. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.